Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. Each week we highlight a local ministry that is impacting the community in Jesus' name. Our hope is to connect you to a ministry in which you can grow and serve in Christ's kingdom. And now your host for the Ministry of the Week, Craig Roberts. He stopped intentionally in the prime of his professional career to exchange football for faith. He spent six years on the gridiron field for Al Davis and the last 15 in the mission field for Jesus. Number 26 now lives for number one. We're joined today in studio by the senior pastor of the Well Church, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. And Pastor, great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. How does a kid from Lompoc wind up at the University of Washington on a full-ride scholarship, big star up there, you're still in all of their <laughs> Hall of Fame records in Washington, and then wind up playing for the Raiders for a half a dozen years. I think four of those, you were the lead rusher. And then suddenly just decide, prime of your career, could have spent another 10 years easily on the field, if not more. You know what? I'm done. God's taking me in a whole new direction. How does that happen? <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, I um, when I gave my life to the Lord, you know, I, I quickly started realizing that um, that God had a call in my life uh, to preach the gospel. And so uh, while I was playing with the Raiders, you know, five, five, five of those years there, uh, I was also uh, sharing my faith with my teammates for three of those years. I was the, uh, I was kind of like the, the team chaplain. We would have Bible studies, I had the privilege of uh, baptizing my teammates, all those things. So I, I really, you know, Craig, I really felt the call of God in my life. And so uh, through a series of events and conversations with my, my pastor and my wife and, and just doing my due diligence and making sure that I got all the counsel that I needed, I really was confirmed in my heart that God was calling me to put my cleats down and devote my time uh, to, to ministry and to serving people in the community. And so it wasn't an easy thing to do. But I always tell people what I did was not a matter of reason. It was simply a matter of obedience. I knew God had confirmed and had told me that this is what he wanted me to do. So I was willing to step out in faith and be obedient. Had you been raised in the church? No. So I, I grew up, uh, you know, we were CME, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. And so <laughs> three times a year. <laughs> so we would go, we would go periodically to church and whatnot, but but we didn't have a strong foundation in our home, and so uh, no, I did not. I did not grow up in church. I, I like to say that God got me off the streets. You know what I mean. So, and that's basically, uh, that's basically uh, the situation there. One of your teammates when you were playing for the Raiders, uh, Jerome Davidson, yeah. shared his faith. How did that all come about? Well, you know, I I tell people all the time, you know, you you don't you don't come to God. God comes to you. And you you respond, and so for for us, for me, God had been really drawing me. I could tell that God over over a year's time, even more than that, but that pressure was. I started feeling like God's trying to get my attention, and I would tell my teen, teammates, you know, I feel like I feel like like Jesus is trying to get my attention, man. I feel something's going on. So I felt God really calling me, and uh, one day we were at practice in Napa in training camp. And uh, Jerome saw me over there. He was a strong Christian on the team. 
he saw me over there and he said, hey, Napoleon, he said, hey, man, you don't even look like the type of guy to be out here cussing and acting crazy like the rest of these guys. Don't you know that God can use your life? And when he said that, that he didn't know God had already been dealing with me and God just used him. It was like a like a hammer, just boom. Freight train. Yeah, boom. boom. You know, straight to the point. Mm-hmm. So I went to my room that night, and uh, I got on my knees all by myself uh, in my tr- room in training camp, and I just asked the Lord to forgive me for the life that I had lived. Because, you know, I had been to church. I knew, you know, about praying the sinner's prayer and different things like that. Uh, I just got on my knees and prayed how I knew how to pray and just ask God to forgive me for what I had done and, and asked him to come into my life and, and to change me and to make me, you know, uh, a better person. And so I came that next morning, I came to draw and I said, hey, man, I gave my life to Jesus last night. He was like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? I said, I went to my room last night, man. I gave my life to Christ. I want to I wanna walk with Jesus. I want to know. I want you to help me. And so... We literally would have Bible studies every day, uh, and just just I just be got discipled uh, because it was during the season I couldn't go to church or anything like that because uh, on Sundays you know obviously I'm working so we I my my salvation experience was all about discipleship one on one praying with people uh, and then eventually I got incorporated into church and then uh, began to grow even more but. That's just ironically, how, that's exactly what we see as the biblical model. That, that's that's how I got saved. Precisely, I got saved. I was I was not in a church. I was I was out. I was out on the football field, and somebody ministered to me. I went back to my room and gave my life to Christ, and I never and I never looked back. Craig, was that a hard transition for you, though, Napoleon? No. I asked that question because it's about the money, the high no. life. You're living the life. Yeah. You're traveling, yeah, the yeah. babes, all that. I was my heart was ready though. You know, I, I had done, you know, I've seen it, I, like I tell people in my church, I've seen it a lot, you know, I've seen it all, I've seen it all you know. And so uh, I was done, I'm done. I mean, I want to I wanna live right. I want to do us right. I want my life to be changed. I want to change. And so you can have money, and I tell people all the time, I wasn't down and out, I was up and out. And so I want my life to change. And uh, and what I mean by that is from the inside out, I wanted to be changed. And so when I started reading my Bible and starting to get an understanding of the lifestyle that Jesus can provide by his grace and through his power and through the influence of the Spirit of God, I was all in. And that's what I wanted. What year was this? This is 1996, 20 96. years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. So you stayed with the team another four or five years. Yeah, five years. The transition out of what is was it as much as you leaving football as it was going to the ministry? Well, you know, it was a combination. You know, I love football. You know, football's my passion. You know, I love it a lot. Well, I shouldn't say it's my passion. Christ is my passion, but football is something that I am passionate about. And God's obviously given you a gift for it. Yeah, and I love it. You know, I think it's a great game teaches you a lot of great things. But, like I stated, Jesus became my passion. You know, I was passionate about football, but Jesus became my passion. When I started reading the scriptures and, and, and seeing the life and the seeing, you know, his compassion, his love for people, but then also uh, the truth that he brought to people's lives, 
And then as I started seeing God working in my life and me developing and cultivating my personal intimacy with the Lord and, and learning to walk with Jesus, listen to his voice and, and all those things, I mean, for me, that just became, that's, that's my passion. He's my passion. And I love ministry, but ministry isn't my life either. Jesus is my life. And so that just became like the bedrock for what I'm even doing now. Was there an event or what transpired to lead to the ultimate decision to leave the Raiders? And, and your, your wife, Nicole, yeah. pastors with you. Yeah, she's a children's ministry. When yeah. you sat down with her and said, honey, <laughs> how did that conversation go in the decision to retire from football and decided to go open up eventually uh, this little storefront church, which, of course, is not a little storefront church no, anymore no, by a long shot. Yeah. How did that conversation go? How did that decision go? Well, you know, one of the things that's such a beautiful thing about my relationship with my wife is when I, got, when I gave my life to Christ, me and my wife, I had the privilege of also leading my wife to Christ. And so we basically have grown up in the faith together. And uh, my wife is a God-fearing woman. She trusts God. She knew that, that, and then I did my due diligence. And so she was one that was also able to confirm to me, hey, this is what God's saying. We need to do what God's asking us to do. And if he's asking us to do it, you know, let's go. I'm with you, honey. And so... uh you know, my pastor confirmed it too, Pastor David Kenneth Tracy down at Gateway City Church. He, he said, hey, man, this is what God's asking you to do. Let's let's go. We You got support from me. We love you. Let's, let's see what God will do. What did your teammates say? My teammates knew also because, because I would preach to them every day, and I would, I would pastor them and love on them, and, I, and you know, that was my passion in terms of the call of God. They knew that I was going to follow Jesus. And I was already preaching to them all the time. So they were like, dude, you need to go preach somewhere, man. <laughs> you need to go preach. You need to go preach. You, you're just in love with Jesus, man. And you just, this is what you want to do with your life. Go for it. So they weren't Tim Brown, James Jett, Steve Wisniewski. None of those guys were really surprised. We're really delighted to have in studio with us today the uh, senior pastor of the Well Christian Church in Livermore. He is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Also got a broadcast here on KFAX. We'll talk a bit about that later on. But we were mentioning just before the break, Pastor, about that that transition. It yeah. sounds like this has largely been a matter of God slowly dripping into your life, consuming you at a lot of levels, in a lot of yeah. ways. And, and finally then, that walking away from the football field doesn't sound like it was a hard thing to do for you at all. You know, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. But uh, but it was something. And I think part of it, just like I said, you know, I went through the process. I got wise counsel. I prayed with people. You know, I'll never forget uh, one of my, one of my, the first pastor that I had when I first got saved and converted, his name was Pastor James Davis. And when I called Pastor James, and I said, uh, you know, I feel like God's calling me to stop playing football and, you know, go full-time in the, in the ministry and whatnot. And, and all of a sudden, Craig, he got quiet for like a minute. He just sat there quiet on the, on the phone. And so we, we weren't 
weren't saying anything. He was just very quiet. And he said to me, he said, uh, he said, son, I was afraid he was going to do this to you. Hmm. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, I knew there was going to come a day when he was going to call you to put down your cleats and to vote and to devote your time uh, to ministry like this. He said, I knew. He said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that was it. And so it was it was things it were there were things like that that comforted my heart. But but I love the fact that no one ever told me the road was going to be easy. But you got to be obedient. And so we did it and got us, you know, obviously far away my expectations. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a transition. But as long as I know I'm in the will of God, I'm happy. Was there a point once you left the field, you started the small church, mm-hmm. half a dozen or a dozen people, mm-hmm. kind of a storefront yeah. operation? Yeah, 15 families. Was there a moment when you said, what am I doing? Was there you know, any of that? No, I never did because, you know, I just, like I said, as long as I knew I was in the will of God, the stuff that I was going to have to endure, I'm okay with that as long as I know that this is where God wants me. A lot of times people, they they think that if God calls, calls you, there's always going to be favorable circumstances. And the roadmap's going to be all that, that, laid it. out for you, you know, precisely see, I wasn't where you're taught going. like that. Yeah. I was taught that the road may be rough, but you got to go. You got to go with God, no matter what. And so, for me, it was just a, such a blessing to be able to sit back and and watch the the peaks and the valleys, and then realize that even the valleys that you have are designed to protect you and to prepare you, and to in some cases propel you on to to greater things that God has in store for you. Some people listening right now, but say. Pastor Napoleon, I hear what you're saying. I'm just not sure how to identify what God's will is for my life. Amen. How do I know? How do I, how do I, how do I get quiet enough to be able to hear that still, small voice to know? You know, I think one of the things that has helped me is realizing that it's easier to hear God's voice when you've died to yourself. Mm. Sometimes the the, the 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 main distraction is your desire, your your will, you know, what you want, what you want to do. Once you can quiet that voice, then God's voice becomes more pronounced. Now for me also obviously, I want to make sure that I'm doing things that are biblically right. I want to make sure that I'm doing things that that I'm taking time to get counsel from people around me that I know have a good track record of hearing from God like my pastor and others. My elders in my church, they know how to hear the voice of God. They can bring confirmation. God will always bring confirmation. But the greatest distraction in in my life, uh, when I've had distractions like this or I have con- moments of confusion, is is that my voice and my or my desire is speaking so loud that I can't I can't hear God. So Death to self gives you more of a listening ear. 
God, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. And it's interesting because some people might say that they have struggled with this because they've tried to lower the volume of all the voices from the outside. I mean, look at your life. It's not the On voice the outside. Field, they're yelling at you, yeah, yeah, the yeah. cheerleaders with the pom-poms, you've won awards, broken records, all of it. Yeah. A lot of noise on the outside. And yet the real distraction is not the noise on the outside, but it's 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 dealing with self. You you wore a T-shirt Amen. I saw in the pulpit one day. Uh, folks can see videos uh, that you have up on the, the wellchurch.net website. Uh, want to live, die. Yeah, if you want to live, die. You, that's, you know, that's that's the thing. If if you, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow, follow him. And so... That's the reason why it was easier for me to hear the voice of God in that moment when I had to make that decision is because I really, in my mind at that moment, was like, I don't, I don't really care. I just want to know that I'm in God's will. The biggest challenge, perhaps, for a lot of us is just that whole process of surrendering. We want to be in charge. We like to be in control. I can look in the mirror and see me and know who's in charge. Yes. God, well, you know, a little abstract. Sometimes I hear him. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Some days I feel him. Other days I don't. Yeah. But me, I can get up and I can look myself in the mirror and say, okay, yeah. I know who's in charge here. Yeah. And that's one of the big challenges for a lot of folks, it's, isn't it? It's the, it's the last thing to go is your will. You know, people want to give God their mind. They give God their heart. But have you, are you willing in their emotions and whatnot, have you given God your will? If he asks you to do something, are you willing to surrender your will over to him? And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I know for me in my personal life has been a, such a blessing because then when you do that, God turns around and he does things that you never thought. I never dreamed I'd be doing the stuff I'm doing right now. But you just watch, you just get in in the flow with God and you follow his finger and then he does stuff that just far outweighs your expectation, you know, but I was willing to do that in that moment. And it's been a blessing in that process. Have you discovered that the satisfaction personally is far greater when you surrender? And as you find yourself living in obedience to God, that that obedience produces the ultimate sense of satisfaction? And I ask that question because, yeah, you're running back, satisfaction, yeah, yeah, gain yeah. of the yardage. Scoring touchdowns. Scoring touchdowns. <laughs> crowd screaming. Making the money. You came that close to getting the Super Bowl ring oh, if you'd stayed one goodness. more year at the Raiders. Um, there's a great sense of satisfaction. People yeah. oftentimes find their satisfaction in the, things. In the stuff. Or in money or in... The nameplate on the door, the car parked in the garage, and yet I have to wonder, has your experience with God been such that the more you have yielded, died to self, yeah. yielded to his will and been obedient, do you find the satisfaction level in life has gone up exponentially? Oh yeah, because I mean for me it's just there's nothing it's one thing you plan for Al Davis, you score a touchdown, Al Davis is is cheering. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when, you know, you score a touchdown and the black hole is cheering. But then there's another thing when you are obedient to God and do what he says and you know that he's cheering. Mm-hmm. And I tell this to guys all the time. It's an audience of one. You know, it's an audience of one. Are you doing 
is what you do is what you're doing right now is it making him happy does it make him smile does it does it bless him and that's the thing that at the end of the day is going to matter I've been in stadiums, you know, I've played in two Rose Bowl. I got a national championship ring. I've played in the best, biggest stadiums in this country, all that stuff. But those same stadiums, you know, if you do good, you know, they're going to cheer you on. But then if you fumble one time, the ball they're going to be booing. The booing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the, the issue here is on that day, will Jesus look you in the eye and say, well done? How good and faithful is it a matter of then exchanging little picture for big picture? And let me let me explain what I mean by that. Um, that success on the gridiron can be fleeting, as you just articulated. Yes. And oftentimes we get caught up on the stuff that we are doing that in our mind and our perspective is the big stuff, mm-hmm. the career, the house, money in the bank, the vacations, all of that, all, all the stuff that the world uses as a yardstick to measure success. Exactly. And yet as much as we think that's our big picture, the fact of the matter is that isn't big picture at all. Because in God's economy, that, that's a nanosecond on the radar screen of all of eternity. Yes. And so maybe part of this then is, is to learn to change our perspective yeah. to see his big picture. Exactly. And that's what I try to tell guys. And I have, you know, I'm the team chaplain for the Raiders. So I have guys that I'm with these guys all the time. I have a super middleweight, you know, former super middleweight champion of the world. Andre Ward is a member of my church. I talk to these guys. I get a chance to talk to these athletes. The thing that I try to tell them is this. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the touchdowns. Enjoy, but keep it in its proper perspective, just like you said. Keep it in its proper place. Enjoy your, hey, I put on my national championship ring, and I I go blingy and, and, you know, let hey, this is what we accomplished, you know. All that is good, but it's in the proper perspective and place and category in your life. Nothing comes before Christ and your eternal rewards. And so there has to be a balance there, uh, and we try to do the best that we can. I try to in my own personal life to have that balance. I'm a head football coach. We want to win. I don't want to go out there and get beat every time we play, but... It's in its proper perspective. You're now coaching in addition to, well, I guess you're coaching at a couple of levels. You coach at church. You coach on the football field for uh, Bishop O'Dowd. Um, what's that like? You made the transition from sitting underneath a coach, and now God is saying, I am equipping you to help coach others, not mm. just the young men on the field. And I guess a couple of your boys are under yeah. your tutelage too. That must be kind of cool. Yeah, it's you know it's amazing because when I got the call, they wanted me to to interview for the job and whatnot. I sat down with my staff, sat down with my wife, you know, because I'm a pastor, and I said, you know, what do you guys think about this? You know, do you guys think that? What do you? I want you all to pray about this with me. And so, unanimously, uh, everyone was like, Pastor, this is ministry. You get an opportunity to pour into the life of these young men, just like somebody poured into your life and helped you as a coach. You're going to be able to get into the community there in Oakland. You're going to be able to get a chance to, to reach kids that, you know, maybe other people don't get a chance to reach and uh, and coach them up and be a blessing to them, you know. And so when I took the job, the principal over there, 
Pam Shea, former principal, she said, Coach, we know that you're a pastor. And these were her words. She said, Coach, I want you to pastor my kids. I want you to pastor my kids. And that just for me was like, this is it. you know. So I get a chance to go in and really try to be a blessing to the kids. We're teaching them the game of football, but we're also teaching them about life. And that's that's been huge for us. So it's been great. And and the transition hasn't been that big because, you know, I'm around football all the time. I know the game. Uh, it's just, you know, the administrative stuff you got to work through, but it's ministry. You've given us, I think, much to consider today, Pastor. I sure appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come in and to visit. We invite listeners. If you're maybe new to the Bay Area looking for a new church home, uh, check out the Well Church. They're located at 2333 Neeson Drive in Livermore. Information available on the web at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. We also invite you to tune in to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman's broadcast, Times of Refreshing, right here on on KFAX, where at least in every broadcast you'll hear at least one time, give me an amen, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Kaufman, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a delight visiting with you. Craig, this has been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. More information about this week's highlighted ministry is available at kfax.com. Also, please tune in this Sunday at 12 noon for a message from this ministry. And tune in at this time next week for another edition of the KFAX Ministry of the Week. Until next time, God bless.